Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Gridiron Blitz 351. Oscar Lopez in the house. Have a great show today. We're going to be talking college football, uh, NFL Week 14, which is really exciting. If you saw the Cleveland Browns uh, taking on the Baltimore Ravens last night, really neck and neck game. Uh, if you missed it, you can go back on the NFL recaps at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. On top of that, we got exciting women's action in Gridiron Australia. As the final in Queensland, we got Week 10 in New South Wales. Plus, we got Week 7 in Grayer West. Uh, and just a lot to cover in terms of the hub news as well. So let's uh, bring in our Hall of Famer here. Holly Custis in the house. And we're going to be talking college football first, NFL, dive into the women's game. Um, so, you know, it's going to be a big uh, about an hour and a half or so of the Gridiron Blitz. If you guys haven't gone to uh, monkeyknifefight.com, that's our sponsor uh, check it out, fast and simple prop games, shark-free fantasy. You can uh, play games as more or less fantasy challenge games. Includes all the star players, especially in the NFL right now. $2 minimum to buy in. Uh, you get an instant deposit matchup of up to $50, minimum of $10. Uh, sign up today at monkeynightpipe.com. Use our code NJF and take advantage of the offer. Holly, what's going on? Not much. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, fantastic! What a weekend, right? We got the not Monday nighter, and then all the all the college football stuff that happened this weekend, including uh, the including uh, Sarah Fuller actually getting her uh, PAT. I know it's been a, a crazy football weekend, and and it was exciting to to watch uh, Sarah kick not one but two extra points, and mm-hmm. and you know we were uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know we got to, to see her her kickoff, which was uh, awesome, and but you know all of us are watching uh, Vanderbilt and, and waiting for them to score points in that uh, first game, and it just wasn't happening. So it was nice that they did uh, score some points this time around, so she could get a couple extra points in and. You know, it was a really awesome deal and uh, really exciting. Holly, do you think the, the coaching change really uh, – I think the interim coach had more of a focus for an off, a better offense, in other words, than the previous coach. It just looked like this team was different, a little different, playing Tennessee. But in reality, I mean, it just looked like she was part of the game plan. That's That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, you know, anytime there's a coaching change, um, you know, usually you'll see an uptick in, in effort and energy from a team um, because when you're in a situation like Vanderbilt uh, was and you're you're losing, you know, every game you're playing and, and, and not only are you losing, but you're losing pretty terribly and nothing's working, it, it can wear on you as a team. And so even – a change at the, um, you know, the leadership positions can kind of um, reinvigorate some of you. And so I think you, you saw that. They seemed to be a little bit uh, more passionate. The energy was more positive. And it was really nice after um, her kicks uh, how excited uh, um, her teammates were for her. And that was a really good thing to see as well. Well, now, rumor has it she's uh, given it up and she's going back to soccer. So um, that was the SI article at uh, at the hub, at the hub. So uh, I don't know how true that will be, but at this point, I guess uh, if you're her, there's not much you can do, right? The season's somewhat over already, so it's either go go back to what you normally do and what you do best in terms of your own comfort zone. Yeah, you know, I did see that article as well, and that, and that makes sense. You know, Vatterbell uh, is, I believe, done playing for the year. Um, I think their last game got canceled due to COVID, and I don't think they're going to make any bowl bowl during this season. So I think, you know, Vanderbilt is basically done. So it totally makes sense for her to, to, um, you know, uh, go back to soccer since that was, um, you know, her first love. And, you know, I think people forget that she literally picked up a sport, you know, with a week, week and a half notice. And, 
Um, you know, so you have to give her a lot of credit because not a lot of people can do that. Not a lot of people, like if, if somebody told me, okay, in a week and a half you're going to play cricket on national TV, I'd be like, okay, well, I'm going to try, but I don't even know the rules that well. You know, <laughs> so I think you have to give her credit in that she, um, you know, had a great attitude and um, stayed positive, even though there's a lot of pressure and a lot of eyes on her. Uh, so I think it's a really great story. Yeah, I think she did wonderful. I mean, in, in terms of, like, elevating herself to another level of awareness for people to understand that, you know, uh, females can play uh, the sport and they can play at a high level. And now, you know, in high school, it's it's no different. We have certain, um, you know, girls playing on the defensive side of the ball. They're playing on pretty much uh, anything on the line as well in some in some uh, leagues depending on the stru- structure of the league. So it, it's just a new normal now. They have Some people don't want to accept it, but it is what it is. And at some point we are going to see probably, given the horrible kickers in the NFL <laughs> this week, uh, we just might see a female come through and, and, and be on a roster. You know, it just makes sense that way. Yeah, the, I think people forget how hard kicking is. You know, we talked about this before, but – there's a reason it's hard to find a good, consistent kicker. And there's a reason why kickers in the NFL, the really, really good ones, play until they're Holly, like 45. That's the reason Cody Parker is not in the Bears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said that's the reason Cody Parker yeah. is given up, given up by the Bears from this weekend's performance. Right. <laughs> uh, right. Did you see the things you know, on Twitter? They're like, call Sarah Fuller and see if they – Let's see if she's available. <laughs> you know, I, I think, um, you know, for me as uh, a player, I think it's really great to see, you know, these opportunities. And and I I, I do want to see more and more females playing different positions, and we have seen that. So anytime you get a female in this uh, type of opportunity, it, it's great for everyone. So I think it's awesome. Holly, what do you say of Jen King and the Washington football team completely now on a path to maybe take the division in the in the East? And then you have Kelly Branson almost last night. If it wasn't for uh, Lamar Jackson's, uh, what, uh, cramp moment, they probably would have won at home. But <laughs> Lamar decides to come back and, as uh, Jen Walter would say, shitty on him to come back and win the game. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll start with the Washington football team. So the one thing that they really had going for them going into the year was um, their defensive line was um, going to be an issue and um, in a good way for them. And that, that has definitely been the case. And then you added the fact that you had Alex Smith who had his awesome comeback story and, you know, he provided them some um, much-needed leadership in that role. He got uh, dinged up during the game, and and then um, Haskins came in, and he wasn't, you know, playing terribly well earlier this season. Um, but he, he did okay in the, in this spot. And I think for the Washington football team, it's all about momentum in the division that they're in. And because of the division – you know, even though it's been playing better over the last couple of weeks here, their records are still such that it's anybody's game in that division. So if you can get a couple wins, um, you know, back-to-back, then you put yourself in a really big position. But I think what you saw, like, this weekend is that Washington is really starting to believe in themselves that they can, you know, make a push towards the playoffs. And and then with the Browns, I mean, okay, so I started – watching that game a little bit early, and then I came back around, i say, midway through the fourth quarter. And then, you know, I saw that the Ravens were up, and then I saw that uh, Lamar was out, and I was like, okay, what happened to him? And then, you know, the Browns score, and then you have, um, um, you know, the the backup quarterback coming in, and then he gets injured, and then – I was like, oh, no, like, so Tracy's down two, 
who's the third guy? And then all of a sudden, here comes Lamar. It was like a Disney movie. You know, like you watch like... Was it WWE? Um, this was WWE. It was... <laughs> no, I, I think out it was like, like Disney movies, like the after school <laughs> special when it's like really poor acting, and, but they're, they're doing like a sports <laughs> special, you know what I mean? And it's obvious when you watch it, it's a bunch of actors that don't play sports, but but so the acting's not good, but it's always this one moment where right at the right time, the the protagonist comes out of the tunnel and then he's running and then some random guy throws in his helmet and he puts it back on and he comes back out and then he throws a, he throws a touchdown across his body and it, it was it was like you couldn't write it and then then after the game you know he he tried to put in a disclaimer that he did not um, have a Paul Pierce moment but we'll never really know at least not that I'm aware of what happened. But I thought it was weird because I know people get cramps all the time, but uh, usually they'll have, like, an IV or something that they can get them to on the sideline. But sometimes I guess it's in the locker room. But I just – I don't know. Like, he – I think he that's one of those moments that everyone's going to remember him for now. And I think it was a great thing for the Ravens because they – Polly, they were giving that? him so much – girls on Twitter were giving him so much crap. When they said he had cramps, <laughs> he's like, "Do you need to play through it, bro? <laughs> play through it." Well, you Everybody know. Okay. So cramps are are not fun, right? And there's different levels of cramps. I've gotten quite a few levels of cramps, right? And there there are cramps where you just like it. It feels like it's like your muscles, like um, you know, has spasms, and it's like really not fun but then it kind of works itself out and then I've, I've had a cramp or two where it was like terrible but they usually after a few minutes kind of calm down and you can kind of stretch your way through and I understand that the thought of like going back to get your IV because the whole point uh the whole reason why you're cramping is because you're dehydrated right so I think they took him back got an IV in him try to rehydrate him as, as quickly as possible but it was still really funny because I was like, it was like somebody wrote it from a script, and then he comes out, and then, like, I think Baker Mayfield was like, what the hell do I need to do? Like, I keep scoring, and then he comes out of the tunnel, like, what the hell? And then, so then, (laughs) and then, um, you know, the Browns scored, and then I was like, I was, you know, talking to a couple of my friends, I'm like, they scored too early, you know, they were moving the ball really well, and then I think they got to, like, the 15 or 20, and then they scored, but I was like, I think they should have kind of, like, tried to burn a little bit more clock once they got to the 15 or 20 because you you lost Lamar a full minute, and all you needed was a field goal, and you have a really good kicker. So so I think that was a mistake, but sometimes you can't, you can't play it perfectly. You know, sometimes it just happens. But it was a really great game, and I think it's um, one of the best games we've had of the season. Callie Brunson was part of it. <laughs> if you have to make a note, side note about it. Callie Branson, part of the Lamar Jackson cramp uh, bathroom moment. Cramp? So that's, uh, Should it be cramp gate? Yeah, there you go, cramp gate. <laughs> oh my God, he's not gonna live it up. I mean, he's gonna. He's, I mean, he's gonna. Be, they're gonna be. I mean, that's already in the history books. It's like no matter what he says at this yeah. point, it's, it's there. The assumption was there, right? Uh, the, the video yeah. where he's running to the door. To get into the door, everybody's like, "No, he's going. He's going to the bathroom. He's not going to get an IV." Because <laughs> everybody assumes he's on the tunnel and he's going to the door. He's like, you, "Everybody on Twitter was going nuts." Did you see how he was wiggling his hips? That's that, that's that's a moment to go yeah. to the bathroom. That's not a cramp moment. I, I mean, it's just, <laughs> the tweets were just hilarious. I was like, "Oh my god!" I feel bad for him too. I was like, "I hope it's nothing serious." But then everybody just turned it into this comical thing, right? Um, but they played yeah, great, really and then. When they got to the 55, you know, Tucker never misses. I mean, Tucker has such an impressive impressive uh, outing on it that he never misses from really that long. And, I mean, for him to miss, that was not going to happen. I mean, they were just so into it. Um, Cleveland, I felt bad for because, like you said, they, they were playing really uh, really good. Chubbs was on, on a roll. Um, but, God, the receivers on both, on both sides of the receivers were horrible on both teams that night. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, um, I think they were talking, like, in the 
fourth quarter about how mm-hmm. many rushing touchdowns there were. And yeah, I, I think, I think it made sense though, because the Ravens um, are, you know, primarily a run team. And um, I think you can't, you know, expect them to throw the ball a whole lot, but they, they did when they needed to, which is a big deal because that's, you know, one of the weaknesses I, um, I've been talking about with them is that if you if they're in a close game or they're in the lead, then they do really well. But they are not built to come from behind, you know, a couple scores because that's just not who they are, right? And so Cleveland, you know, I think they're playing really well. I think they have benefited from yeah a weaker schedule this year, um, but I think maybe that's what they needed, you know, going. And you could tell in this game that they believe in themselves, which is something the Browns have not really had a whole lot. They've either, um, you know, in the previous years been terrible or last year they had too too much hype and I think they kind of believed in it. This year, I think they, at the end of last year, they kind of got humbled a bit. And then this year, I think that their belief is more genuine and you could tell that. They're, they're flawed like every other team, but I think that um, – I think they believe, and that's a big deal. Um, so their their big thing is can their defense be consistent enough to, to get them, um, you know, uh, in a long playoff run or not. I think that they have weapons and offense, and their two running backs, uh, Chubb and Hunt, I think are two of the, I'd say, top five or six running backs, and they have them both on the same team, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's a big deal because in the fourth quarter, you wear out the defense when you bring out these two guys who are both starters in the, you know, on that kind of level and they have a slightly different style, but they still are both very physical. So I think that that wears defenses down. So as long as they can continue running the ball on offense, I think that's going to take them far. And then it's a matter of can their defense be consistent enough. Um, and that will, that will tell how far they go into the playoffs. I agree. I think they had a good, you know, that was a good, uh, good test for them. Uh, I think it's a better team this year than it was when we had the hype team from last year. And to your point, the run game is way better and they have two really good backs in the run game. Um, what do we say of my Rams kicking new England Patriots, butt? and I'm sorry about, you know, your wife being a Patriots fan at this point, but you know <laughs> what I mean? It was just an exciting time. <laughs> I was shocked that new England came out so flat and that they just didn't, you know, didn't play to the potential that they had played against the Chargers. Um, but the Rams did come out, and didn't come out impressive in, in a sense. They just, they did what they had to do to win, technically. I mean, they didn't come out like, you know, blow, blow New England off, the, which they could have, but they didn't. And right. so they stuck, to, you know, they stuck to the run game instead of the passing game. And so um, they get the win. New England really, uh, you know, after that Charger win, you would have thought that they would just come in and, you know, taking care of a more competitive matchup, in other words. Yeah, I think this is a, you know, um, like we talked about before, sometimes it's about the matchup. Like um, like this year the Niners kind of had the, the Rams number because of the matchups mm-hmm. and because we also happen to be more healthy than normal the two games we played you compared to the rest of the games this year, right? And then mm-hmm. with the Patriots against the Chargers, that was a matchup and slash coaching fiasco for the Chargers, right? But it also, you're right, mm-hmm. you would have thought that the Patriots would be like, oh, you know, we've had a hard year. You know, we lost a lot of players. They didn't just lose Brady. They had uh, some key veterans on their defensive side that, that opted out and or left, right? And so you can mm-hmm. tell some of that leadership is gone. And then you had Cam, who, you know, was playing well early, but then he got COVID, and I think that really kind of threw a wrench in the rhythm of their development as a team. And then then the Chargers game, you're like, oh, maybe these kind of started to turn the corner a little bit. But I think this game really, for the Patriots, shows you who they are right now. They have no receivers, <laughs> So, you know, I know it's easy to, to blame Cam and, that you know, there are times when he, you know, doesn't play well, but I really don't think they have anybody for him to throw the ball to. I mean, some but of the guys the line, that they thought were going to pan out. 
I think the line holly was also it? was a problem because they couldn't contain yes. the the Ram defense, you know, the pass rush yes. and the three hundred monster. Oh yeah, that was and then um you know, that was a huge problem. Oh yeah, no, that was that definitely played a part as well. And you know, I think from the defensive side, when you know a team is struggling on, on one side of the ball or uh, if they're struggling in the run game or they're struggling in the pass game, it makes your job so much easier because when you face a balanced team, then you have to, in each individual play, account for each in, you know uh, possibility. And if you know they're having a hard time throwing the ball – because nobody's getting open, then you you can feel um, free to get more aggressive with your defensive front. You can get more aggressive with blitzes because you know Cam's going to be holding the ball longer because the receivers aren't getting open. So that creates more opportunity for a defensive line um, like the Rams, you know, that has uh, Aaron Donald, um, you know, one of the best players, uh, if not the best player in, in the league. So that was definitely a matchup nightmare for the, uh, for the Patriots. On the Rams side, you're right, it wasn't perfect, but they ran the ball really well. And, you know, uh, Goff has had some ups and downs this year, but at the end of the day, I think that the Rams have a really solid team. You know, if you look, okay, just look at the difference between the weapons on New England compared to the weapons on the Rams. New England, for, you know, for receiving in this game, you had um, Nikhil Harry, who was supposed to be a, a great kid coming out of Arizona State, and he hasn't really panned out. You had uh, Bird, who is okay, but he's kind of like a probably a number three, number four guy. Then you have Jacoby Myers coming off the bench, and then you have like all your running backs that catch a couple, right? You don't really have any threat. Then you look at the Rams, and they have, you know, Higby and Cup and Woods and Akers and even, you know, Everett. You, they have a lot more places to go with the ball, and that that really helps your offense. And so I think um, I think this was a great win for the Rams. I think you know honestly um, this season, you know, of the four teams in um, the division, even though the division's really tough, I think the Rams have overall been the most consistent. Besides when you play the Niners, we take those two games out. I think they're actually the most consistent of the four. So it's a good win. Yeah, and, and sticking there, Arizona rebounds, Seattle rebounds this weekend. Um, so must wins for both of them after last week. And so it puts them in a situation where now they have to – it's kind of a must win going forward for every team in the, in the West if they want to just kind of get an edge. And if they want to go for the division title, they got to kind of spread themselves out with one or two wins. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, the Seahawks bounce back against the Jets, and rightly they should because the Jets are terrible, you know, and so that's not really that surprising to me. And um, and I think the Seahawks kind of needed that. They kind of, you know, after last week and kind of being flat, they needed a game where they kind of got their stuff together a bit, and it's kind of a get-well game for them. So they're, they're going to need that uh, momentum going forward. And it was a, a big win for the Cardinals as well. You know, the Giants um, have played a little bit better as late. So, you know, it was a definite must win for the Cardinals, as you said, because the division is so tight and the NFC is so tight that you can't afford to lose. And so it was good uh, to see Arizona kind of uh, regain their footing because they've been uh, a bit up and down lately as well. So good wins from both of them as well. Bird drops off. They get two losses now. Buffalo comes in very confident. Um, they're looking at their division. Miami's obviously right there trailing them. Um, so what do we say of Pittsburgh? Have they just kind of deflated a little bit here, given the late season that we're getting, or they're getting better? Uh, they're getting they're going up against better competition, as somebody else had mentioned to me on Twitter. They're just playing a lot better competition now. Um, it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, when you're going undefeated that long, there's a lot of pressure with that, you know. And, you know, see, so you, you expect that first loss to happen at some point. And the previous couple of wins before that, they weren't playing their best ball. I mean, they won, but it wasn't pretty. 
And so you, you could feel like it was coming, that, that first loss. You know what I mean? And usually with teams that have that type of record, you get that first loss and you kind of get the monkey off your back and you, you have a little bit less pressure on you because you're like, oh, we don't have to worry about are we going to go undefeated the whole way, you know, type of thing. And then usually they bounce back the second game. Um, I think, um, you know, I think Pittsburgh kind of had a little bit of a reality check against against Buffalo. I think, um, you know, if, 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 uh, if the Steelers are going to make a run this year, they have to learn from these last two losses and take that going forward. And, you know, in this game, they didn't run the ball well. Um, they had a total of 47 rushing yards, and that's not going to get it done. Like, if you can't control – like, Pittsburgh does a lot better when they have the ability to run the ball, and then they can uh, run play option after, uh, off of that, and then they then can get it down the field because he has a lot of weapons to get it to. Um, but the run game just wasn't there, and that kind of put them in a hole. And – I think Pittsburgh is talented, but I think they have to kind of right the ship after this game. Um, if they can, I think they can still make a run, but if the, if the wheels start falling off, then that's a bad sign. You don't want to backdoor your way into the, into the playoffs, considering how, how hot of a start that they had. You want to fix your mistakes and be, you know, going on, you know, an uptick going into the playoffs, right? So we'll see what they do uh, next week, but definitely it's a bit of a concerning loss. And then for Buffalo, that's a really big win for them. Uh, You know, they're trying to stay ahead of Miami, um, and they're getting confidence. And, um, you know, um, I really think the difference between – I think, you know, Stefan Diggs has really made a difference for, for Buffalo. Having that deep threat has really helped Josh Allen. And you can see him, you know, he still has some issues, but he, he's getting more confident in passing um, down the field because he always had the arm strength, but it was always a matter of, um, you know, composure slash, you know, accuracy. And he's gotten more accurate and he's getting more confident because he has really good people to throw to now. So um, I think uh, Buffalo is feeling pretty good about themselves. We'll see if they're able to carry that into the playoffs. Yeah, and I, I think Miami now is where we got to focus on in terms of the AFC too because that division has totally changed ever since Brady left now. And uh, like you said, the Patriots are totally different. So the Dolphins are still in the uh, playoff picture hunt, even with the loss to Kansas City. Um, so – and they play pretty well against Kansas City, right? So Miami holds, I think, number seven spot right now uh, over Baltimore. And so they would have – they obviously have the tougher schedule than Baltimore does because they get the Patriots, they get the Raiders um, at the Bills. So um, at this point, it's, it's a matter of how can they stay on course just to make the playoffs. It would be kind of nice for Coach Flores to make the playoffs, right, in Miami. Yeah, you know, I think in this game, um, I think they kind of fell behind early to Kansas. Well, actually, they they had a lead. Then Kansas City came back, got a lead on them, and then Miami tried to close that gap again. And, you know, I think, like, when I'm watching Tua, I think they're they're, he's playing a little bit more confident, um, um, you know, from like earlier in the year, but there's still something like, I feel like they're holding back the play calling with him when they had Fitzpatrick and it felt like the playbook was completely open. And when they have two and it feels like it, like it tightens up a little bit. And right now two is kind of playing with house money because their defense is playing really well. And their special mm-hmm. teams is playing really well. They're creating turnovers. They're scoring on defense. They're scoring on special teams. And when you're a rookie quarterback, that takes so much pressure off of you. Right. And so he he's in a good spot where his team is producing around him, right? And he's not playing bad. He's not playing perfect. He's playing. He's kind of like just kind of holding, um, you know, holding serve a little bit. And I think there's more in that tank with him. And I hope that they kind of open the playbook more with him. Because uh, I think he's capable of doing more. He has, like, you know, a decent stat line, and 
he he's looking a little bit more comfortable, but I just feel like there's more there, and I don't know if they just aren't comfortable opening up the playbook with him yet, if that's going to happen eventually, or maybe they know, hey, our defense and special teams are strong enough that we don't need him to do everything, and maybe we'll just kind of ease him into it. But I feel like, you know, like if you look at the difference between Mahomes and Tua, Mahomes, he you feel completely comfortable with him knowing the playbook, and you can tell the coaching staff does, and he controls everything, right? Tua is not quite there yet, um, but I think their defense, I mean, anytime you have three interceptions, you, you get three interceptions on Mahomes, that's a, that's a pretty good defensive game, you know what I mean? And um, so I think their defense and special teams are strong enough to make a run, and I think it'll come down to how consistent can Tua be? Can he avoid making the big mistakes? And how much control do they give to him in the playbook? Um, but I do think they're heading in the right direction. All right. So let's look at week 15 because we got some pretty good games coming up here as well. Cleveland also on Sunday night once again. Um, it's going to be instead of Monday night, Sunday night. The Chargers, uh, they get a win over the Falcons. Uh, a win over the Falcons improves their record and makes keeps them in contention for a top five pick on the draft. So n- no playoff to talk about here, but they can get pretty much a high draft pick since they picked up Herbert. They get the Raiders coming up here, then they get the Broncos, and then they get the Chiefs. So technically their season is somewhat over, right, in some ways, um, considering the mm-hmm. three weeks that are coming up. And the Raiders this weekend, Holly, I mean – what do you say of the Raiders? They needed this win against the Colts uh, to move into you know, in a playoff positioning because they were one game behind the Dolphins for the final spot. So at this point, um, they said ninth in the conference. So uh, Gruden was disappointed. They fired their, uh, I believe they fired um, the de- their defensive cor- uh, defensive coordinator. And so at this point, the Raiders, I, I guess, in desperation mode, they got to win against the Chargers. Then they get Miami coming in. And then they get the Broncos. So the kind of both teams are in the same kind of pickle. Yeah, you know, with the Chargers, I'll start there. Um, when they got blown out by the Patriots, it, it was just terrible all the way around. It was terrible, and I was very surprised that Anthony Lynn kept his job. And I really like Anthony Lynn, and I think a lot of people do. He seems like a really good guy. But he, in my opinion, a few games ago, they were um, talking about their issues on special teams. And Anthony Lynn had said that he had struggled to to get guys to want to be on special teams, like they didn't want to do it. And that tells me that was a warning sign, kind of a red flag of, whoa, he may be losing the locker room here. Because special teams, you know, a lot of people like to forget about it, but it, it's a third of the game and it's extremely important. And if you want to create momentum in a game, which we all know is a very big deal in football, you, you can easily, your starting point is to create it on special teams. And if you have players that don't want to sacrifice themselves, because that's what special teams is, is sacrificing yourself for the team, that tells you they don't believe in the team, they don't believe in the coaching staff, and they don't want to risk themselves, right? And so that's that was a bad sign. Then that game against the Patriots happened, and I was like, oh, my God. Like Then he kept – he was still the coach. And then in this um, last game, like, he still, even though they won, had major issues. Like, uh, uh, the, their last drive before the half ended, they had the ball, and it was, I believe, like third and one, and they were, like, I think at the 15 or 20 or something like that. And – the clock, they had no timeout, and they could have played it a couple different ways, uh, you know, but they should have at least tried to, like, run a play, and they could either, you know, throw it into the end zone and try to score a touchdown, or more, more likely rush in your field goal unit and kick a field goal before the half. And instead, they were all confused looking on the sideline, and then they ran the ball, and then they – they ran out the clock on themselves, and they got no points. Yep. <laughs> so that was like I, another I'm, boneheaded thing where, like, yeah, you're like, why, totally why did you do that? <laughs> totally Very boneheaded. boneheaded. They still won the game. 
they, they still won a game, so that was a good thing for them. But you're right in that at this point, they're kind of playing for pride and they're, uh, you know, kind of playing for, you know, we got to get through the rest of the year and then try to figure out next year. For the Raiders, though, they're having, a, like, their own issues. Just for, like, two, three weeks ago, you know, I was pretty high on them. I felt like oh, maybe they turned the corner, you know, because last year they was. had a strong start. And then they fell apart. And then this year they had a strong start. And now they're falling apart again. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening with the Raiders. It's like they have the talent. And then, like, last um, last week against the Colts, um, you know, I don't understand why you don't run the ball more with Josh. Because I think Josh Jacobs is one of the best backs in the league. And, I, you know, I didn't watch that entire game. I was just watching kind of the overview highlights. But I, I, I don't know why you need Carr to throw it 50 times when you have Josh Jacobs. So I, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know why they're falling apart. But you have to, like, if they, if the wheels fall off and they play themselves out of the playoff hunt, then you have to start asking questions about the coaching staff of, like, what, what are we doing here, you know? So to your point, both teams really need this game for their confidence. The Chargers really just to get something positive before the end of the year, but the Raiders really need this to to get themselves in playoff position. Yeah, and I think based on Gruden's press conference, you would think this is desperation mode because if he fires a de- uh, the defensive coordinator, there's got to be a point where you break out, and he knows that yeah. he's at that edge of a playoff spot. He's got to make the changes now in order for him to even have a, ch- right. a shot at it. Um, Cleveland coming off this uh, loss to Baltimore takes on the Giants. The Giants fell out of the uh, the uh, NFC uh, East lead because the Washington football team took care of your Niners. Uh, the Giants did sweep uh, Washington, you know, for the year, so they'll need to tie them in order to win the division. They're, they're, they go up against the Browns, and then they get the Ravens, and they get the Cowboys. So I'm assuming their Giants season is over because if they don't beat the Browns, the Ravens are more likely another loss for them. And then the Cowboys may be a win or, or, or give, and, give or take. But at this point, it must win for them if they want to stay even in some sort of contention for uh, a wild card. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they need to get at least one of the next two games against the Browns or the Ravens. And, you know, the Giants are a team that – they're, they're kind. They're kind of getting better, but I don't know. They they still have a lot of holes, right? And so I think for me, I think they have a better chance um, against the Ravens than than they do the Browns. So I think the Browns are going to be mad about losing, and they'll come out pretty strong in this game. So I'd be surprised if the Giants beat the Browns. But you're right. I do think they need one of the next two games to keep themselves in the running. I think they can definitely beat the the Cowboys. So, but they're trying to keep pace with uh, Washington at this point. So you have you have to get one of these two games. If you get both, then it's off. One of the next two. All right. So you can take Monday night off because it's going to be Pittsburgh against Cincinnati. So the the Bengals only remain in this whole three next three weeks for a top three draft pick. So, you know, given their Poor performance against the Cowboys. Um, they have the third worst record in the NFL. They get the Steelers next. They get the Texans next, and they get the Ravens. So I, I, I guess if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan, 2021 can come sooner. Yeah, it's more like, you know, at this point when you're a fan of a team like that, and you see the coming schedule, and you're like, oh, geez, it, it's more about. What's about the the wins and losses? More about evaluating the talent you have and figuring out the holes that you have so you can piece together a better product next year, right? So you'll you know a lot of times teams will throw in younger guys or backups more in different situations to kind of see what they have um, in them, and so they can more inform decisions in the off season. And sometimes that can be okay if you're a fan. You can be like, okay, well, my team's not very good, and we're playing harder competition, and you you, you kind of come into the game of maybe less intensity than normal. 
but you're still watching because it's still your team and you're like, well, that guy's doing pretty good. You know, maybe we can do something with him next year. You know, so that's kind of the, the process I think as a fan that you go through. And then if if your team starts to actually perform in that game, then it's just like gravy on top of that. Um, but at this point, I think the Bengals are, are just kind of trying to toast until the end. All right, let's go talk uh, college football here in a bit. The worst. Expect greatness. Expect greatness. From our preparation, to the way we perform, to the way we shine, expect greatness. Expect it from yourself. Expect it from your teammates. Expect it from this team. We fall, we kill, we eat. Yes, sir. Hey, energy, emotion, play fast. So, Holly, LSU hands Florida a shocking loss that will likely change up things in the playoff uh, picture for the college football season. And then North Carolina earned a road win upset over Miami. Alabama, no question, they were obviously going to take care of Arkansas. So two losses by top ten teams Saturday led to some movement in the AP poll. Yeah, so that LSU-Florida game was amazing. I mean, LSU had, like, I think it was, like, 50, 52 uh, scholarship players there. They're, you know, going into this – okay, so last year their secondary was very good. And this year, going into the year, the expectations were high, and they were obviously not meeting those because they lost a lot of talent, like more than people realized, right? The secondary was not a great starting point to begin with. Then you go into this game, and that secondary was completely depleted. And they were playing like guys, like they were pulling guys off the street, you know, throwing them in there, right? LSU mm-hmm. had no business in this game. And Florida had everything to play for, you know, because Florida was set up before this game in a really nice place because they, if they, you know, beat LSU and, and if they beat Alabama after that, that would obviously get them into the playoff. But even if they're just competitive with Alabama and still lose, then they might get to the playoff. You know what I mean? So it kind of gets them closer. And so that's what they were playing for. And, you know, you have to give LSU a lot of credit because they played this game basically all on fumes and all pride. And I don't know if you saw the end of the game, but there was kind of, we were talking mm-hmm. about Lamar and, and like a Disney moment. There was a weird kind of Disney moment in this game where, um, you know, Florida had LSU stopped and it was like, I think like a third or a fourth down or something like that. And there had to be like a minute, minute and a half, maybe two minutes, something like that where LSU was driving and they, they were um, going to, you know, um, uh, close the game basically and, and get in a position where they could uh, try to either tie or win. And Florida made the stop. And on the tackle, the LSU's receiver's uh, shoe came off. And the Florida defensive back got excited for some reason and threw the shoe like 30 yards down the field. And then there was a penalty, and then LSU got a first down, and then and then they scored, right? And if that play doesn't happen, it doesn't guarantee that Florida would win, but it definitely puts them in a a, a hell of a lot better position. You can't give that up play. plays on stupid things like that. It's just isn't that like taught from the beginning? You just don't do that it's, stuff. It's just oh my it's god, just mind blowing because. It's all like he was a freshman, you know, he, he's an upperclassman, he's been there, he, he's done that. And here's the thing, I totally understand getting excited, especially in that moment. There's a lot going on, it's very intense, and if you want to celebrate, celebrate, right? And if the guy's shoe comes off, that's not your fault, that, you know, sometimes when the tackle, the shoes come off or whatever, just put the shoe down or just drop the shoe and then, like, jump up and down and, like, celebrate with your teammates and it would have been fine. When you pick up your shoe... And you throw it 30 yards. <laughs> no one's going to be happy. What do you, you can't Holly, expect the what do you think? To if you're the coach, <laughs> Holly, if you're the coach on the sideline, what would you have thought? You're the coach and you're looking at this. Thing, uh, no, go ahead. I think right? I, you were like, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure if, if I were a coach in that situation, 
I would not want to talk to the player, so I would not say something like that. And I would just, I would tell, like, if I was a head coach, you know, I would, you know, go get the DB coach or uh, the defensive coach or whoever was on the sideline and say, you go talk to him, and then talk to him later. <laughs> and because in that um, moment, you know, the head coach probably still has a lot going on. But I think, like, that's just one of those, you know, plays where it's going to live down in infamy now, like if you're a Florida fan. <laughs> And it's if you're a, an LSU it, it, fan, you're like, oh, my God. The, the Ravens beating the Browns. It was similar to the Ravens beating the yeah. Browns. They get a 57-yard go-ahead field goal, and they edge Florida. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like, yeah. like you said, but that's a, that's a knucklehead move. How do you do – how does he live that up? They lose the game, and he, he, it's his fault because he made a stupid penalty, right? A mental error. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where it – it didn't lose them the game, but it made it harder for them to win because of where mm-hmm. they were at in that game. You know what I mean? So if he does not throw the shoe, it doesn't mean Florida wins, but it puts them in a lot better position. And when he threw the shoe, then it gave LSU a lot better position. And right. so it's definitely a moment in time that will be extremely memorable, I think, for a while. Um, and then you're talking about uh, North Carolina. And, you know, North Carolina is a, is a team that they can score points. You know, nine times out of ten, depending on who they're playing, they can, they can score points, you know. And um, I think their offense has mostly, lot of yards, you know, Holly. not been. Yeah. It's a lot of yards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're, um, I mean, so, okay. So, Michael Carter for North Carolina, 24 carries, 308 yards. <laughs> that's a lot that is a lot of running you know and so hats off to North Carolina I think Miami you know seemed a bit tired in that game and a bit overwhelmed and I think the wheels kind of fell off which is disappointing because I think Miami uh, was in a great position to get to New Year's Six um, uh, bowl game they might still depending on how things play out but it, it definitely they had a lot to play for in that moment and they kind of fell flat um, I think the Coastal Carolina game, uh, they survived a scare against Troy. That was a very entertaining game. Um, and then uh, Georgia beating Missouri. Um, you know, I think JT Daniels for Georgia has reinvigorated their offense because Georgia's always had, you know, strong defenses the last few years. It's, it's been whether the offense can um, be consistent. And I think JT Daniels has really uh, shot some life into that offense. And so that's a good sign for them going forward, I think. Um, and um, then you had the USC beating uh, your Bruins. Um, USC, you know, I think this <laughs> I think all five of their wins were maybe four or five. I don't like five. USC, they by the way. From behind. I just want to go to – I want to be – I don't like <laughs> USC, by the way. <laughs> I will. I will tell you this though. I think um, DTR. I think he's matured a lot. You know, because mm-hmm. when he was coming out of high school, he was a highly uh, ranked recruit, and I think it kind of got to his head a little bit when he was a freshman. And and when it when sometimes when you have players when they're in high school and they're that much better than everybody else around them, and then they get to the college level and it's harder, and then it doesn't. It's not as easy they struggle because they don't know what it's like to struggle and they don't know how to handle adversity. And so I think his first year or two, he kind of struggled with what do I do when it's not easy? And I think, you know, when I've watched him this year, he's matured a bit and his decision-making is better. So that is really encouraging if you're a Bruin to see him grow a bit. Um, And I think UCLA you know, I always have a soft spot for Chip Kelly, and it was kind of fun to watch, like, some of the old, like, Oregon, you know, tempo get in there sometimes. And that was, like, because I loved that when he was at Oregon. That was really fun. Um, so I think you have something there, you know, if it makes me feel better. <laughs> um, well, we're hoping, we're, we're hoping uh, then, we'll have something there, like, turn into an Oregon-style uh, type of team. That mm-hmm. would be nice. It would be a change, of course. Yeah, I think, you know, when you're in L.A., 
you have obviously a desirable market. People want to be in LA. I do think the last like 20 some 25 years, it's been harder, I think for UCLA because of USC. Um, yeah, recruiting to, to battle them. Recruiting is bad for uh, for UCLA. Yeah, it's been pretty bad for a while. Recruiting is harder. Re- recruiting yeah. is harder. You you're in a California. You know, is obviously a, a hotbed, especially like Southern California, right? But when you are competing in the same city with USC, who has had upper hand marketing wise, you know, and on the field wise, the last twenty some years. Then it's harder. So I think if you give Chuck enough time, he can like all they really need, in my opinion, is a couple of years where they progressively get better. So if they're three and three this year, and if they you know win next week, and then they get into a bowl game and they win there, and they end up like five and three, then that's a big improvement from last year. And if they can build on that next year, then you, you'll start to see the recruits come. So you're not far off, Oscar. So hang in there. <laughs> Yeah, um, we had two coaching, two coaching fires. I guess Gus um, Malzahn was uh, fired by Auburn. He had a six and four season. He went sixty-eight and thirty-five during his tenure with an SEC championship, uh, an appearance in the final BCS championship, a loss to Florida State, and another SEC West title and SEC championship appearance. So, I guess Auburn felt the time to change. I guess, and then the other news was. Levy Smith was relieved from his duties at Illinois. Uh, Smith was let go by Illinois after five seasons, a 17-39 and 39 record. He took the Illini uh, to the Red Box Bowl last year, but he never had a winning season and never finished higher than fourth in the Big Ten. So uh, two coaches there that have been relieved of their duties. Um, so what games are we looking forward to this weekend, given the structure? Let's go with, let's say, with three games. Um, well, okay, so this is championship weekend within a, and then also a couple of random games that had to be made mm-hmm. up, right? Um, so I think obviously you would have to go with Alabama against Florida. Um, at this point, Alabama could even lose this game and probably still get into the playoffs, but it's still going to be an entertaining game. I, I think I want to see. Uh, Trask uh, against uh, Mac Jones, and that will be an interesting matchup, and we'll see if Florida can bounce back from their loss. I think Tulsa and Cincinnati will be a good game, um, in that it will be another competitive, you know, type team that uh, Cincinnati can play. Um, I think that, let's see, uh, some of these are makeup games. Clemson and Notre Dame, obviously, that's going to be a really key, key game because you had everyone saying, well, Notre Dame only beat Clemson because they didn't have trouble with Lawrence and all this, even though DJ still had a really good game that game. Um, so that's going to be a great matchup to see, you know, um, can uh, Notre Dame knock off Clemson again? And if they can, then that probably knocks Clemson out of the playoffs. So that's going to be a really good game. Um, Oklahoma-Iowa State, the, the Big 12 championship should be interesting. Oklahoma started off extremely rough this year, and they've kind of found the rhythm a bit and have improved throughout the year. And Iowa State is a really good story. If Iowa State can beat Oklahoma, um, that might um, inch them a little bit closer to the playoff conversation. So it's a must win for Iowa State. Um, and then there's the Northwestern Ohio State Big Ten Championship. Ohio State is on that uh, number four um, edge of the playoffs. If uh, they lose, they're probably out of the playoffs. Um, and Northwestern, um, you know, it would be a huge, huge win for them. And then also you have Oregon and USC and the the, the disaster of the 12 leadership again. <laughs> Even though it ended up um, benefiting my team, it's still you a didn't leadership agree with disaster. The, the, you didn't agree with the change? What's going on with you? You got you, well, you got what you wanted. Basically, basically, you know, at the end of the day, you know, COVID was going to be crazy. But what, what ended up happening is because the Pac-12 started so late, they did not allow themselves any wiggle room. They had no room for error, right? Where some of the leagues that started earlier, they lost games, so they were able to make up most of them, you know. 
Uh, and so that gave uh, other leagues more wiggle room and scheduling and tried to make up some of these teams. Well, the Pac-12 didn't have that luxury, right? So you had a couple of teams that only played like three games, right? I think Cal was one of those teams yeah. that didn't have a lot of games. Or, and I think, you know, what basically happened is this going into last weekend, uh, Morgan was three and two and Washington was three and one. And if Oregon beat Washington, then they'd be four and two, and Washington would be three and two, and then Oregon would have the best record in the North Division and play in the Pac-12 championship game, right? And so that would have made total sense. So Washington was not able to field the team due to COVID, and so that game did not happen. Because that game didn't happen, Washington technically had a better record at three and one versus Oregon three and two. So Washington was slated to get into the Pac-12 championship, but then everyone, you know, a lot of people thought that wasn't fair because they ended up kind of backdooring their way because they didn't play. And so that was, um, you know, an issue. And then the Pac-12 decided, so they announced all the games, I think on Sunday. So then it said, it's going to be Washington and USC, and then we're going to have Oregon and Colorado play, but they're going to play in L.A., in case one of the other two teams can't play. <laughs> and then they said, okay, Washington, we know you have a 14-day quarantine issue and you might not be able to play in the championship game, but we're going to give you all week to decide. So Washington could have waited until the last minute to uh, declare if they could play or not. They luckily did the right thing and declared yesterday that they can't play because they have too many people um, dealing with COVID issues. And so Oregon has now slid into that game against USC. So all in all, the long and the short of it is COVID made this very complicated, but the leadership and planning made it so much worse because now Oregon was supposed to play Colorado, and now poor Colorado has nobody to play. And Colorado didn't do anything wrong. They had a really good season. So you see what I'm saying? It's basically – the lack of planning has been terrible and the lack of communication has been terrible. And so it made an already complicated COVID situation so much worse. And so even though my team ended up where I wanted them to be because I want our team to get as many games as possible because we're so young, it still ended up being a complete mess to get there. So it is what it is, but um, hopefully my team can beat USC for you and that will make everyone feel better. All right. So you're happy. It's all that matters. And like you said, COVID <laughs> made it right. <laughs> kind, right. Kind of. <laughs> it was it was weird. We're here. This It is what it is now. <laughs> all right. So let's go uh, to Australia before we get out of here. Uh, we had Gridiron Queensland Championship, Holly, uh, the 11th, inaugural 11th Sun Bowl. It was really awesome. The girls were really excited at the beginning when they got announced about uh, 90 days ago. And so uh, this is the first format before there was a 999 format. It's a different ball game. Uh, Aces 11, Hendeka, both teams were created uh, from some of the squads from uh, the six, six teams and squads. And so they were playing 11 to make up, obviously, the squad, which is when you play 11, it's a bigger roster. So to make up the roster, they combined it. Uh, they were very excited to do 11s uh, because of the fact that they uh, put together the the first gridiron inaugural um, national team. They're looking forward to be more competitive on the international stage. So it's a exciting time for them in gridiron Queensland. So if you didn't get the live stream, you can watch the game. Uh, it was a very close game, 26-22 seesaw battle. Uh, shout out to our No Joke Football athletes, Amanda, yours uh, out there, and Cassie Cubas and the uh, also Christy Moran. So they played in the game. So you guys can watch that out. You also get photos from High Flyer Images uh, right there at the hub. So, uh, Holly, very historic moment for uh, the program for the Queensland uh, area. And then going forward, this is what they want to do is try to build on an 11th uh, season, maybe with uh, another two teams. So they make it a four-game, four I mean, four-team uh, season. Um, in terms of teams and, you know, maybe a, a nine to eight week kind of slate. So uh, congratulations to ACES 11, 26, 22. I don't know if you got to watch the live stream or not. 
Um, I did see um, a little bit of it, and I think it's really exciting, you know, because um, I know you know, when you're talking about uh, uh, some of the, the different countries, um, depending on how much um, interest there is, it, it's hard, you know, because football is a numbers game. You need uh, so many bodies on the field to, to make an 11 um, man football game run. And so the fact that they're able to get to the point where they're, they're able to have more people on the field tells you there's more interest, which is a really good sign. Um, you know, and I think Australia has actually progressively gotten more and more competitive over the last two years. So the fact that they're able to get uh, to 11 on 11 is a really awesome sign. I'm, I'm really excited for them and I hope that it continues. And so you got um, Pendeka um, played all season, not too bad. The last two weeks they played really well. They kind of started to gel, and so. But uh, here they played edge, really good game. In other words, um, if you watch the live stream right there by live uh, live stream Brisbane, and like I say, you get everything at the hub. High flyer images. Thank you for the photos that they had there. And then if you go to our Instagram, you have Aces Eleven uh, photo of the championship team right there. So shout out to Aces Eleven for 26 to 22 victory in Queensland. Uh, in Gridiron West, uh, Holly, uh, we had some uh, pictures there also by Meraki Pictures and Design of Week Seven. Uh, Perth Broncos 44 to zero routing the San City Titans, uh, and then the Rockingham Vipers all season have been blowing out everybody. Completely just uh, an offensive juggernaut. They take care of Perth Blitz, former champs as well. Um, 40 to 8. Uh, Perth Blitz drops to 3 and 2. Rockingham just uh, completely just taking care of business. Uh, they're 5 and 0, oh, undefeated in the season. I, I don't see anybody really uh, going to take them down, Holly. I just they have five weeks left in the season. Uh, one last week in January, in December, and then the four weeks in, in um, January. I really think this is this is the best team in the in the in the competition. Yeah, I think they've obviously gotten off to um, a, a great start, and it seems like they um, have been fairly consistent. And, um, you know, it's one of those things of um, trying not to get ahead of yourself and just focusing on each game at a time. But at this point, uh, you know, looking um, at the past results, it looks like they are the team to beat, and we'll see if they can uh, follow through on that. All right, and then the uh, last uh, Great Iron New South Wales, uh, week t- 10 here uh, happened. Uh, the Raiders return, and they route Sydney Lions 39-0. to uh, Shout out to uh, Renee Hahn and Shiloh Phillips, our no-joke football athletes out there in Great Iron New South Wales. Uh, thank you to Allen Sports Photo for the coverage of the game. Then we have Sydney, uh, North Sydney Rebels, 36-0 to against the CC Sharks. And then shout out to uh, Aaliyah. Carmali, our Nojo football athletes and QB for the CC charts. And I'll also shout out to Alfred Wong photo. So in this, um, in this late, um, uh, the Raiders are really uh, having a return. They were off last year and they, now they return this year, really having a good season and North Sydney rebels right there. Uh, the champs from last year, trying to stay uh, neck and neck with the Raiders. And it looks like they will be clashing uh, in the next couple of weeks. If, the, if they stay on course, they will be uh, clashing in the Opal bowl in mid January. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really good matchup. You know, um, basically the the jam from last year and or last season, and uh, the one from uh, really strong showing from the last season before that. So I think that's going to be a really awesome matchup, and I'm curious to see um, who comes out on top of that one. All right, and then if you guys missed anything, go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Crown Beauties. Right there, the lowdown, everything that's happening in the sport by the best network on the planet. And uh, before we get out of here, Holly, shout out to all our listeners in Spain and Russia. We got picked up Spain and Russia as listenership for the podcast. Uh, As always, shout out to our Aussie fans out there weekly. They're staying with us. And then Canada and the U.S., of course, uh, the North American swing. But shout out to uh, Spain and Russia. Gracias, España. And I have no Russian. I'm going to have to learn some Russian just to say hi. Uh, But shout out to them for keeping us up and, and uh, subscribing to our podcast. So uh, don't forget replays. So you can listen to Holly on replay all the time, whenever you want 
on Apple, iHeart, and Spotify, as well as Mackenzie, Nate, uh, Nate Ward, and myself. And so shout out to all those folks that are subscribed to us and keep us alive. And as, as always, a uh, big thank you to MonkeyKnife5.com. Check it out. Fast, simple prop games, shark-free fantasy, more or less fantasy challenge, star players only, $2 minimum buy-in, get an instant deposit, match up to $50, minimum of $10. Sign up today. Use our code NJF. All right, Holly, thanks for coming in. I really appreciate it. A big weekend in the NFL coming up, big weekend in college football. Uh, So we're going to be talking a lot of stuff next week in terms of the structure for college football playoffs and also the scenarios for the NFL playoffs. All right, thank you. See you next week. Thanks. All right, guys, for uh, the option, Nate Ward, Mackenzie Brooks, and uh, Holly Custis, Oscar Lopez in here. Have a great night, everybody. We'll catch you here next week for 352 as we talk NFL Week 15, uh, Week 16 in college football, and everything that's happening in Australia in terms of the women's game. Don't forget to go to the Hub. That's where the place to be. Have a great night, everybody.